Ecstasy Nation. Yo, yo. Back again. Another week, another episode. What's happening, guys? Not I got Dylan day, here man. with me, co-host, my boy, Dylan, Dylan, hey, hey, Dylan. Hey. We got another guest on the show today. We got Evan Dunn with us here. Long time friend. Always. Evan, I'm going to start with you today. Opening question for you. I think this is going to be our new stock question for when we have guests on the show to get like a little musical temperature on them. All right. Two-parter for you here. Ready? Pull them down. One, what was the first CD you ever bought? And two, who was the most recent oh, artist man. you got into? Whew. First CD. That is really tough because, you know, like how many things do you buy when you're young, really? I Oh, man. It doesn't. I mean, oh, it, it was, have to be if you downloaded mm, something. If that was sort of, I know iTunes gave me U two really on like <laughs> early on, and it, and like I'm not even sure how much I liked it, other than like it, they just gave me all of it, and you know I appreciate it in a way, but still it it. Let me pose it to you. Like doesn't this, resonate like, today. First favorite artist. First favorite artist. or first favorite band. Um, you know. Just a just a boy with the wind in his hair, Red Hot Chili Peppers for sure. That's yeah, that little, sounds about that's right. That's a real classic you know, for our time. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, just just a boy with hope. Yup, I think you know, if you were born between who like thinks he has more problems than he does, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was the vibe? Stadium Arcadium, I'm guessing, is when you were oof, getting into yeah, them. They, yes, Danny that, California that fruit snack snow. guitar. Oof. Yeah, Johnny. Fruit <laughs> is, <laughs> Your is face is so one. lit up right now. Yeah, <laughs> that's just yeah. I mean, I don't know anyone who like hasn't had a phase. I feel like with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, maybe that's my group of friends. Maybe that's the one. That <laughs> the it's all of my. Well, maybe that's not for regular yeah. people. It speaks to our age for sure. But yeah, I mean, I think that I don't know. It's definitely your group of friends. Like they were a massive group. But you like, never had a period where you were ever into the. Chili no, Peppers? I did, but I'm saying I don't think it was something that was like a uni. I think you, like yeah. <laughs> they were probably one of a few bands you could make like a universal, at least like some like enjoyment or like for me, like they're definitely a band that like everybody in our age group has heard several songs from. You can't say that about like a ton of bands, but like, I don't know if they're, like they're, they're so omnipresent in the sense that like everybody had that phase. I feel that way about Eminem with a lot of like dudes no, in our sure. age group, yeah. but like sure. the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I don't know. Like I think they're Ooh, kind I of in that realm, but like maybe a little out there. What, what was um, I not said, out I never there, did have like, an Eminem phase actually. You didn't? Which, okay. Yeah, I, I so, but know. that to me is a little bit strange. like I like most people that I know at least at some point were like uh, at least okay, around my age are like oh yeah one point like even if they can't stand it now it's like yeah I'd stand for him at some point. Yeah, yeah. No. And that's not hard to believe with you, just knowing how you feel about him in general. Yeah, it never but. clicked for me. I don't know why. Can he, we put... he felt corny to me at a very early age. A, really? Too. Yeah. But see, not unlike Sam Cooke, I embraced the cor- I, 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 I know. I think I, I, no, I could tell that. There were, I, I think that. Uh, I was just gonna. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, uh, like the corniness. I think was always sort of present for me, yeah. but I, I enjoyed that with the kind of menace of it. Like there was something about it that <laughs> felt very yeah. cheeky and purposely played up, but also like. Yeah, this dude's got some serious shit. He's just not necessarily uh, like uh, sort of working through it in the healthiest way. But like I, you know, the the corniness. I think that like in Sam's Cook music, there's something about that too that really appeals to me, even if it on the surface it's kind of cringy. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's very like a genuine it's just, nature. To yeah, it. exactly. Sure, like the, like the, the genuineness, I think, is what I'm really responding to with it. Where I can tell that it's yeah. a little like hard to take, but also he's there's it's just so. Yeah, it's so genuine. I kind of fall for it on some level, regardless. But so you're saying you in, say? the, in the classic face-off, the one that everyone's always asking, you know, the Stones, Beatles, and the classic Sam Cooke, Eminem face-off. You're classic Sam. Cooke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, can we? All right, I just want to. <laughs> it was right. brought up early. I just want to lay it all out on the table. Mm-hmm. I don't know what episode we're on now, but I like that we're hitting it this early. It's definitely in the first time. I just want to get it out on the table. What's your guys' vibe on the Red Hot Chili Peppers today? <laughs> Underrated, overrated. Where do they stand for you? I just want to let like it's let's get it out there. Who is rating the Chili Peppers well, right now? Well, I mean, I just think I have no idea. I think I meet when I meet people, they have strong feelings about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Either way, it's like people either think they're like one of the best bands of all time, or they're people who think they're really corny. Right. I feel like I haven't had critical conversations about the Peppers since college with anybody aside from like maybe you. And I do think like the, the I'm just the red. No, I guess I'm the red hot chili peppers but, guy. Well, now. no, it's part of it speaks to the fact that people just don't want to talk about music critically. Part of it speaks to the fact that like I just don't know that many people that like 
are willing to talk about or care enough to talk about the peppers specifically. But I do think one thing that I have noticed is that like, no matter how you feel about them, I think the musicianship of the instrumentalist is kind of that conversation falls by the wayside. And I don't think a lot of people really appreciate how to actually talented a lot. Most of the band really is. And yeah. Regardless of how yeah. you feel about them, that stuff I think falls through the cracks a lot. And that's a shame because I mean, Prashante and Incredi- Flea, oh, I mean, just incredible. insane. Yeah. 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 It's, it usually just comes down to Anthony's yeah. uh, writing. Yeah. That's as being like a barrier for you. Mm-hmm. Well, for most very, people, I think that's yeah, true. It's, it, yeah. it's, it's very, it's very corny. We love him, <laughs> but he's, yeah, he's just like, I, I, he goes through so many phases as like a 50 year old man. Like I've never seen like a 50 year old, like change his hair so much. <laughs> like he's and with, and with the mustache. Too, it's is just that, like, that's definitely it's just like, vibe. yeah, he's like French poet. Anthony Kiedis. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Exactly. I, I don't know. Love I love that for him, though. I recently changed sides again on them to go back to one conversation we had before. Oh, yes, like that's changing right. Sides and oh, changing this is sides cool. Another example. I loved is. the Chili Peppers early on. Like they were mm-hmm. one of my first favorite bands when I was. Like, you say like fourteen? Okay, I was gonna say thirteen, fourteen. Like really starting to get into music. Playing really guitar. starting to play yeah. guitar heavily. Like for Shani was an early on like post Hendrix guy for me who was just just like incredible. Yeah, and I love his solo work. I think that's the thing everyone kind of stands by, but. Ketis, like we mentioned, like by the time I got to maybe senior year of high school, maybe college, I was very over that. Yeah, when I met you, you were staunchly anti Yeah, like it was just like, I mean, I don't, everyone knows the impression. But (laughs) maybe about four or five months ago, Ezra on episode of Time Crisis shifted my, yep, I'll just just give credit at least to where (laughs) I got the, my, idea from her. I don't mean to dismiss it, but it would be as for as that dude. It's like devil's advocate for everything. Yes. And the one thing he said was was like, he like that at least like the guy like has his very own style. Like he's not like, like, you know, Anthony Kiedis when you hear Anthony Kiedis and it's cool that like, he's kind of like super sincere and not afraid to like make himself look like an idiot. Like sometimes that's more fun on a way than like the guys who are just like extra tasteful and like everything. Like I'd rather, I'm going to, like, in the, my classic debate, I'm going to take Red Hot Chili Peppers over Dive in terms of, like, Dive to me is just the band that comes to mind of, like, the guy who just, like, does all the, like, basic right moves of, like... Goes good, through the like, motions in your mind of, uh, yeah, like, all, like, the all the check marks of, choices, yeah, yeah, yeah. but just, like, yeah, check, exactly, checking all the boxes in a way where it's just, like, to me at the end of it, like, I like Dive, don't get me wrong, but... Like, I was going to say, your Dive is this band? I was, I was, that really threw me off. I mean, the classic, Chris you know, Ott Stones, Beatles comparison, like, Peppers and Dive. I mean, yeah. I, I understand that. I, I like, reached for Dive because Chris Ott did that once where he was, like, uh, really vouching for why everyone should be more interested in Bruno Mars Locked Out of Heaven <laughs> than Dive. Just, <laughs> just, like, okay. another, like, odd, stupid comparison, but I love those. Well, yeah, I was to say, like, I yeah, think yeah. that that, I mean, it's not, like, an it's a pretty apt example of a band where it's just like, oh yeah, they're very much in a lineage of stuff that's con- always historically been considered cool. So like, of course, people are going to go to bat for it. I think Diver actually pretty underrated on the whole. I think the first record is madly overrated, but the second two, especially the, the last one, is, is the second insanely one is, underrated. Uh, is the is our, what is the phrase? I like I loved that one with oh is the Azar is the Azar yeah, yeah, yeah just I in like the it. Kim Gordon imitation is of Sky Ferraro. That's on number two. So what's number three and when did that come out? Uh, Deceiver that came out in twenty like. Fall of 2019. Oh, wow. I think, All right, I'm behind which that. I think is the, like pretty easily their best record, but like is the most maligned because you know they're not cool anymore. You know, it's yeah. a decade since when they broke out, so it's just not one that's gonna get the accolades. But right, right. all the same, um, I agree with your point though about the Peppers and that like yeah, they're without question idiosyncratic. I mean, like I think a band like that is always gonna be more interesting, exciting, and fun to talk about and listen to than any carbon copy post punk band, any whatever the fuck that just is mm-hmm. again whether or not they're. Uh, checking off Mark is a cool. It's just variations on the same kind of sound. Even yeah. a band like yeah. The Strokes, it's like okay, it's just New York cool regurgitated it's, two decades. It's, it's just like just like pump the brakes. Like yeah, that. honestly, Lynn, like I I do enjoy The Strokes, but like no, the I mean, are you, much, no, you are much more interesting about The Strokes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Right, you know, what? sit down at both both of you. Sit <laughs> All down. right, okay. All right, we're good. We're good. But Evan, also then the second part, most recent artist you've yes dived into. Oh, okay. And are, have been enamored by entranced. Um, I, oh, I like to do this with our guests too because I can kind of predict, like, guess what I think the coming. answer is. And I'm just you like, no, that's Ian not right. Last I called him out so it. bad on I that. I loved it. He gave me an answer from like three years ago. I'm like, dude, come on now. Shut the fuck up. Come on now, bud. Yeah. I don't. Hmm. The most recent, most recent. I, I'm trying to avoid. I'm trying to be spot on with Dylan here because I feel like he would know more than I who I've 
really like I have an answer, recently. and I'm curious if you're going to say that, because I know I think I know exactly who it is. Uh, go, I think and it's very in line with Evan's like burgeoning taste within the last handful of years. Can he, can he answer for I you? guess out of the last, like, five years, let's give it a big yeah. window. Yeah. Or, I guess, less. But uh, JPEG Mafia has been, like... You got into Elabamba later. Yeah. But okay. JPEG, sure. JPEG Mafia is a great answer. <laughs> sure. I no, I know. Fine. This is me. You got This is just me having fun because I turn the people on to these artists. Time. But no, JPEG Mafia makes a lot of sense. Like, I was going <laughs> to go with Elabamba as far as, like, you love bossa nova music and anything that like has you know latin undertones or anything like that is probably going to be something that you enjoy on some level but the jpeg mafia uh comparison or uh, i'm sorry comparison just you bring that up makes a lot of sense too in the just in that like oh yeah sonically there's a lot of stuff there that you'd enjoy but like i don't think there's another artist tonally that is coming from a as close a place as you are like the level of irony and humor in his music is something yeah. that, like, is a lot just, of the anger. That's great, you know. Yeah, that's P- politically where it's coming too. from. Like, I think yeah. that there are a lot of things you could draw from with JPEG that would make him appeal to you much more than any other artist you've gotten into the last handful of years, whatever. But I was totally thinking Neil Bamba. Yeah, totally. <laughs> his sound is just like evolving so much, and it's so hard. To, like, it's so hard to pin him down. What he's going to do next. Um, like he's going to start I, a boy band is what he's going to do next. Oh, he's I'd legitimately really going to start a boy band. Has this been actually been said? Yes. Did we talk about doing If you've this listened or? to the progression of his music from at least veteran up until the last EP, which was pretty solid that he put out a couple weeks ago, yeah. dude's definitely trying to start a boy band. Why do you say that? Like, what was the Because his music is just straight up pop. I, I don't, I don't all of the falsetto well, so. melodies yeah. oh, that he's he, been he like weaving in. Is he majority singing? All the hooks? I mean, since Cornball, it's been primarily singing. I mean, it still scans. It's like hip-hop and pop in the way that like it's Igor so has. It's not like it, you know. Well, I was gonna say like my, my the thing that I think song. of is something like Igor, where it's like, oh yeah, there's a lot of like hip hop instrumentation, and like you know guitar and piano and stuff that you like arrangements you would hear in R and B and soul records, but they're singing like the whole time. And yeah, there's some rapping on both, but like it's primarily singing. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I I'm not like I think it's progression's been very interesting. Veterans still my favorite thing that he's done, but yeah. like it's so like just. I could have never predicted where his music has gone so far, and it has been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, veteran. He was veteran so fucking good. Definitely live. put the most hours into that one. That one's incredible. It just has mm-hmm. like so much energy, and like so many of those beats are, just, you know, ingenious. Like weird mixing that I have no clue how. It works. Talking about uh, veteran, right? Yeah, the, yeah, that old dirty bastard sample oh. on that second track. Yeah. I mean, just insane. Uh. Well, it begs the question though. Then. Is that something you you hope for, like a Chili Peppers JPEG collab, or is that something <laughs> you're not thinking about on a day to day basis? Where are you at with that kind of question, mentally day to day? He's he's like provocative enough of, of enough just to do a Chili Peppers collab, just because like, just like nobody Kiedis is going to see that. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say if we're speaking from a purely like provocateur sort of standpoint, he might be the best fit for a new vocalist <laughs> for the Peppers, oh honestly. Like, I was thinking Bradford Cox for a while, because again, oh, we just want somebody rude. that is like a true, he would be, that'd be to like the a bone provocateur. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just but, like, I joined the Red Hat Chili right. Peppers for a year. <laughs> no, Bradford Cox and JPEG would be my two answers right off the bat, just because of where they're coming from tonally. It makes so much sense. That. I love that. <laughs> hey, Bref, can you do me a favor? Can you run the intro music back one more time? I just want to hear that again. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just want to hear that again, real quick, Let's guys. walk through Manhattan in our suits once more. And let me just set the stage for you guys. It's a late night. It's 1984. The rain is coming down. The puddle is reflecting the moonlight. There's smoke in that atmosphere. And off in the distance, you can hear it. The sound of a... What is that? Is that a saxophone? Is it? It is. It is. Can you hear it ricocheting off the buildings? There it is. Wait, listen. Well, bring it the fuck in. Let's go. (laughs) Are you kidding me right now? I'm I'm full. Need more Philly fills on this boy. That was M83 with a (laughs) bonus cut off the new deluxe version, 10 year of Hurry Up, We're Dreaming. It honestly sounded, it could have been a junk outtake, but (laughs) in all seriousness. I wanted to vouch for I wanted to like junk so badly. Anyways, I did too. I really again. wanted to like junk. play that again to bring you guys into the main theme for today. 
We're doing, this is episode two, looking back at 2011 in indie music. Today, specifically, we're going to be talking about the big trend that year of bringing back 80s adult contemporary flavors and aesthetics, the saxophone solos, the big albums that come to mind for me, Bon Iver's Bon Iver with Beth Rest, the outro. Uh, then I'm thinking of Hurry Up, We're Dreaming. Big sounds on that. The Phil Collins kind of drums too, those Tom fills and stuff. It's and pure then, John Hughesian, John Hughesian fantasy. Yes, is yes, what it is. yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Like like a dream pop. Yeah, and then uh, and then Evan, one I know to be a real favorite of yours, Destroyer's Capote, which I just finally got into this past year and love to death. Now like, I also want to preface yeah. this too with uh, our part one. I mean, we were looking a lot at James Blake and just some big records that year. Of a lot of the things that were kind of pushing music forward and what ended up defining the uh, past decade in large part. And some of these records are ones that sort of, well, we talk about today, look to the past and sort of are recontextualizing old sounds in a new fresh context. Yeah. That are pretty exciting and not really something that were explored a ton in prior decades, but some of it's due to technology. Some of it's due to just, you know, people pushing boundaries, et cetera, et cetera. But what were yeah, you going to say, Danny? Like you said, like, I think that's, that's what made it so cool is they were bringing back kind of flavors that had seemed off limits for so long in terms of like going back to what you're saying of checking off the cool boxes, like what's in style mm. and what's not. And I think throughout the time leading up to that, the like kind of birth of blogger indie rock, it was just like considered very off limits to have like saxophone and rock and roll music, to have like a saxophone solo show up. Or to have those just gigantic 80s drums with all the gated reverb. Like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and the big Seinfeld bass. Like, that was just, like, very taboo and very not cool. And then for some reason in 2011, the planet had moved around the sun enough times where it, people wanted something fresh and new again. And you have this, like... I don't think any of those albums were influenced by one another. I can't imagine that those had had heard one another as they'd come out and been like, oh, saxophone's cool. Like, that just seemed to be, like, a real zeitgeist thing of multiple people's heads being in the same space at the same time of, like, this is the shit that we want to bring out now. This is, like, funky and different. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, like, do you, like, like Evan, were you were you rocking on Kaput in 2011, or? God, no. I, I <laughs> probably... Yeah, where are we in 2011? There's absolutely no fun. I don't think either of us would have enjoyed that record in 2011. It seems very hard to believe. No, no. At that time, the, my, like, father tried to push a lot of, like, 80s new wave music, like, just, like, a lot of, like, Australian stuff, like, In Excess, and, like, you know, a, lot of, a lot of, like, Police, and just, like, stuff I just couldn't digest then. Like, I just, like, the the reverb and, like, the the drama to it kind of, like, put me off, I guess. Yeah. Was, you know, just a boy, just a young boy. <laughs> and, like, not, yeah, now... Now that I just like eat that stuff, uh, I just eat so much of those sounds up. It's like, and uh, you know, a large part of like, like Kapoor's enchantment to me was like the songwriting, obviously. Like, he, you know, our boy, our curly haired prince, <laughs> he's, 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 he's a, he's a genius. He's, he's like, at that time, at least, I imagine that was something that people were not necessarily like going crazy over, but it's something you chew on for a minute and you know, it's good. It was received incredibly well, but I would imagine up to that point, that was probably his most divisive record. Like I was talking to Danny about this a little, I don't know if it was on podcast or outside of it, but his records follow a pretty neat progression, but like a put was like definitely a very clean break from what he was doing prior. I don't think there was a huge precedent or anything for that kind of departure. And like, I think it, it, is easily one of his most celebrated now, but at the time I would yeah. imagine that was pretty contentious for some of his fans. Yeah. I've Especially those that kind of came up on the uh, new pornographer stuff when he was in that band, like just very, very different, different from that. Yeah. yeah. I've watched interviews with him where he talks about that as being, to me, this sounded odd because it, to me, it's such like an avant-garde weird album, but he's like, that was when I made my pop album. Yeah. And so like, you can tell for him too, in his head, like that mm-hmm. was like a big shift in style. And like, I'm taking a leap here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like Ruby's it, has more pop, you know, sensibility and accessibility. Like I, you know, a whole lot more la la las than uh than Kaput, I would say. La-la-la. I think so too. <laughs> yeah. No, hearing him describe Kaput as his pop record is interesting to me in that. Like, it definitely is. Look, in some cases, in some on some moments, some songs a little bit more melodic and easygoing than some of his prior records, but. It, there's also a lot of, you know, it's a pretty dense, detailed record. Like, it doesn't have super immediate, like, melodies like Ruby's does. I mean, I think, you know, for, 
you know, the, the as much as he opened up his sound, I do think, you know, he still was keeping the listener more of an arm's length than he had on some of his past works, even though this was, you know, welping, welcoming in some more sounds that were a little bit easier on the ears. I think, like, a lot of the melodies and uh, just, like, some of the arranging and uh, moments in prior albums were a little bit more immediate, but I can see why he might think that way about this. I think, to me, what makes it read as, a, where I can see it reading as a pop album for him is just how, like, glamorous the production mm-hmm. is and just mm-hmm. how, like, like the from what little I've heard of the stuff before that Ruby's and maybe just, like, some random cuts off other stuff, this seems a lot less... Uh, kind of rock and roll and like specifically like indie like underground rock and roll like it seems a lot more like 80s glamorous like bowie yeah. roxy music the saxophones are there yeah uh, it's kind of like lush it was just like it was sparkly. like a little more yeah a little more just like drama and intrigue to it yeah, like where he was more just like contemplative before and like you know i don't know he's clearly suffers heavily from adhd the vote, the the singing, he, some of his, some of those his rhyme schemes. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it starts saying a thing and it rhymes with the thing, but then I gotta get another one more thought. A thing, yes, to sax solo, and I love it though. Like I mean, it's it's awesome. It took me a minute. I found it super pretentious at first. Oh yeah, it, I know, it's yeah, I mean, easy he, to like get. Yeah, it's easy to. I was saying with any of his records, it's, I think it's pretty easy to get that impression from him. Like he's got a lot. I mean, I think he's a brilliant songwriter, and I really love his music. But yeah, my I for sure thought he was coming off incredibly pretentious when I first heard him. But you know, I I I've uh, I just think he's an incredible songwriter, and like I pretty much everything he's done since has kind of been in the shadow of Kaput. I mean. I like all of his subsequent records and I think that, you know, he's great live and it's like none of his records since that point have been disappointing, but like Kaput was just like, it really set the tone for the rest of his career up to this point. I like the one way. from last year. A oh, lot. it's great. Yeah. Have we met? Q great synthesizer. Great oh yeah. That, no. Yeah. The Raven and Q synthesizer are my favorites. Yeah. Q synthesizer too. I was interesting hearing him. I'd watch another, I've been, I watched a lot of interviews with him. I just wanted to get a vibe on where that pretentious meter actually was. And he seems mm-hmm. like a really chill, humble dude. So yep. like, it was cool yeah. to see him like that propelled me more into him for sure. He's got some great uh, interviews with Haydn, by the way, specifically. Yeah, I've read like, or like listened to it. I think he had one that was on the celebration. The, Rock the podcast, one with Haydn, you know what? I got to say though, the audio quality was not, Steve, I'm going to take a little jab. Was it here. the I celebration Rock interview with him? Yes. Oh, okay. I got you. It was a little yeah. fuzzy. Yeah. So, like I said, Steve, I know you're a listener. Just <laughs> I hope you learn from that in the future. By the um, way, yeah. uh, what were you going to say, though? I that, I was leading that, off somewhere else he, entirely. He so. talks about with how that album, I guess, I didn't realize. Like, he wrote the songs, but he sent them to, like, his producer to, like, make all the instrumentals for. Like, he wasn't there at all during the, like, really? actual creation that. of the hmm. backing tracks. And then he, like, came down and, like, gave his, like, thoughts and, like, sang well, it. And I thought that was odd. Now, I was going to say... In a cool he, way, but... Well, given that that's the case, then, like, 100%, I can see why he would consider it his pop record. And not, I'm not saying that pop musicians don't play their own instruments, but that kind of idea of, like, coming into sessions, listening to instrumentals, and laying down vocal tracks, I mean, that, to me, feels very much like you're conceiving a pop album, like, in a yeah. very traditional yeah. sense. Yes. So, like, that makes yeah. a lot of sense to me, but... Um, yeah, I mean, his, I don't know. I, I, I think it was interesting that, yeah, we're seeing records like that. And then even with like Bon Iver, Bon Iver, I mean, it just had that last song, Beth Rest with the sax, but like mm-hmm. there is an adult contemporary feel through it. All Throughout the whole I mean, thing. it's soft, yeah. like uh cool jazz, adult contemporary, yep. soft, yep. or, um, the percussion, soft rock, basically. Like yeah. Calgary definitely had the synth tones of the eighties. Mm-hmm. The, just the fact that he had moved, I think in general too, what a contrast it was from that album prior where he's known as the guy in the woods with the acoustic guitar <laughs> to just show up. Yeah. With like first singles that have synthesizer on them and like very airy kind of like faux flute synthesizers. There was something super eighties ish about that. And he, I think he also had some of the big, like, uh, it was massive. Phil Collins, Phil. Yep, yeah. Which, yep. you know, I feel like now today are just beloved. Like there's that. Oh yeah. What's you guys watch those uh, twins is the new trend. The guys who do the reaction videos, they're two uh, twins who watch. No. It's like them hearing no. songs for the first time. <laughs> the big one that get, like everyone knows is the Phil Collins one. You watch them here uh, in the air tonight for the first time. And, <laughs> and like, they've used that now as their opener, like their facial reaction of them when they hear the but. My point that I bring that up for is I just feel like now that's like very in style and cool now. Oh, yeah. Like everyone's yeah. down for like big Phil Collins drums. Like and we love that. That's when I was, not considered whack. No. And it, I mean, it definitely was like a decade ago, <laughs> but I, I uh, or a little decade and some change. I uh, was going to bring your attention though that, I mean, 
as much as I do think a lot of like, cause this stuff always happened in 2011 and by 2012, I think there was no question. Again, we've discussed this before, like Poptim is like the writing was on the walls, basically mm-hmm. like, you know, rock is just mm-hmm. not at this, and whatever, like basically hip hop and electronic and R&B have dominated since for sure 2012 up until the present moment. In yada, terms yada, of yada. the critical eye. In terms of yeah, before crit- like commercially they had already. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of what the critics are saying matters the most. Like yeah. that's when yes. things really began to shift. But I do think a lot of this, I mean, there's certainly technology, the internet, a lot of things that were just a natural progression. But I, and uh, what I'm going to bring up is part of that. I do think a lot of this was specifically due to the advent of Plutophonics records, like since I mm, loved you. But yeah. I know that, you know, it, it's probably going to do some eye roll every time I bring them up. But I mean, Person Pitch was responsible for so much of this. I'm I mean, my eyes right now. You guys can't see I know, this. You can't it's tell. audio format. Panda Bear's Person Pitch my eyes. changed so much more about the landscape of Indian underground music than I think a lot of people realize. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the extent to which a lot of scenes were cloistered and there wasn't that sort of all encompassing sort of give and take. I mean, that stuff was just a given. And after person pitch came out, there was a lot more diversifying in terms of what people were drawing from. What Like, it was pretty immediate. I think 08, 9, 10, like a lot of the stuff that was really huge. Another the, record I think of as like pre-2011, mm-hmm. but to me lives in my head as being 2011 because it's when I heard it, I think. And then, but all, like you're saying in terms of like setting the tone of pop after XX self-titled album, oh, yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. that completely shaped a whole like now, sound for music to have for for the next decade. Yeah. And these are, I wish we had brought up the XX actually in the last episode because that's also kind of in line with the 40, uh, I James think they Blake. I 80s adult. It's like yeah. almost well, the middle ground as far between as like, 80s adult Yeah, as far as like the James production. Blake. Yeah, I think like the, that's more, I guess, of like a, like comp, similar in terms of like mood and tone. It's like a lot more of just the subdued, lethargic kind of, uh, you know, very easy going sort of, uh, I don't know how else to frame it, but like, yeah, I think that it definitely is kind of a clean middle point between a lot of that hip hop production style and what some of these bands were doing. But it is that kind of thing of like, oh, that like, there's basically nothing off that anything can be tasteful. And I think like what I was speaking to with person pitch was just that sort of thing of like, there is no one. It's really just on the individual for how you are sort of contextualizing certain sounds. Like nothing is inherently uncool. You can make anything work as long as, you know, you whatever, there's an on-tour hands guiding it. And but, I just do not think that that was something that people really took, put much stock in before then. But do we all feel that there are still things that now are uncool, right? That like, as that shift happened, now and there now, are new things that are considered uncool in music? That, that's the is thing. That, yeah, your name, where you does that? Here's that? the thing. I think that I would argue that, yeah, there may be, will always be certain sounds or whatever that I find personally uncool. But in terms of styles and genre, I don't think there's anything that's inherently uncool. I think it's totally dependent on the artist. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I think anything can be, like, produced really well. And that's just, like, you know, that's definitely the draw to a lot of the music I've just gravitated towards and a lot of stuff that you don't mm-hmm. have, like, recommended to me but in the past years. It's just, like, really lush production, something that, like, feels good, whether that's, like, um, if, you know, I I had, uh, like, maybe two, three years ago or so, like, really dug into some Bossa Nova records and mm-hmm. just really got attached to that sound. It was just... Took a nap to his Juan yeah. Roberto record today. Stig- oh, buddy. <laughs> Open the windows up, had a nice breeze come in. Oh, R.I.P. Ruff can corroborate this. I told him it right when he got here. Did I not? Did I not? Get on so, mic. Get on mic. So perfect. Get on mic. <laughs> I did say that, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, that is something you would just say, but also I believe you. Um, Yeah, and so, like, that stuff, you know, predominantly from, like, the late 60s and 70s, a lot of the stuff that I like, like the more orchestral, like, big band stuff, um, is just, like, a lot of stuff that people can do on a computer now by themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, you can make soundscapes that are, like, ridiculously fun with one person like mm-hmm. R.I.P. Sophie. Oh, Sophie yeah. was an absolute god, and mm-hmm. like just, just really, just, just taken off. Yep. Just barely, barely found a sound that that. I mean, really, that's the only record that I've really dug into is uh, is Pony Boy. Oh no, uh, Oil of uh, Every Pearl. Oh right. She right. had uh, <laughs> uh, like a singles comp, and it's she was really just like a singles artist for the most part. That was her like full length debut, and then. Pretty sure we're gonna get a record from her this year, just because she had. There was a single a few days before she passed, and there was oh. just one that she, uh, Jin J L I N, the 
um, Ohio producer. Jordan, I, 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 I don't know how to pronounce her name, but like, she just dropped a song with her recently. Yeah. So I'm Matt's almost certain we were like gearing up for another Sophie record this year. But yeah, I mean, she was so young and had so much potential. But with what you were saying is, I mean, wholeheartedly agree with all of that. Like, no matter where you're coming from, you can pretty much somebody can recreate the stuff that you love on a digital audio workstation. It's just a matter of like, oh yeah, like you know, I I don't know, I. I think that you can make anything tasteful and interesting depending on how you approach it and where you're coming from and how you manipulate it. But, um, it doesn't necessarily make it easy. It doesn't yeah. whatever. Like I, I struggle to find something myself that I think is just always going to be inherently uncool. Yeah. But I guess aside like, from the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> <sighs> Kidding. Want to go there? We can do this. We can do this every no, episode. This, this I really, this I have would time, be fun to rehash all every day. episode. But I can do this every don't. episode with you. But we can talk Backstreet don't, Boys. Danny, man. It is not a problem for me. I want to hear you go. I've had a lot of guests actually <laughs> tell me Dylan off show that they want to hear more about the Backstreet Boys on air. So fucking watch yourself, all right? <laughs> <laughs> I have been reading some of those emails, and I agree, but I just don't think they're coming from our guests. <laughs> they're coming from me. <laughs> um, I guess what I was saying, though, what I'm, what I'm, I, at least what how I feel, and like you mentioned that anything can be tasteful and anything can be like produced in a way now where you like it. But I do feel like, like just suggesting that it can be done tastefully means that there is something that's not tasteful. And I'm curious about the way those things shift over time. Mm -hmm. Like with what we're talking about, like in 2011 as like the year we're speaking on where there was a shift in terms of like suddenly the gate was opened on like certain vibes being considered cool that were for a long time weren't that like 80s sound. I also feel like at that same time, though, as that happens, also the the V word gained some legitimacy in eleven with uh, I mean oh nine maybe with Chill Wave kind of cresting. I feel like the V word. What's the V word? What were we vibes? Vibes. Oh, it's a yeah. word that I can't no, stand. That is a word that set the but tone like, for like the next ten years too. Oh, yeah. and I feel like of like like the like Tumblr aesthetic sound of like what Chill Wave kind of set up, and I feel like the oh, yeah. XX was also like a big. Thanks, Anco. Vibes are cool now. Vibes are cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I guess like, yeah, but I also feel like as that happens, new thing. There, I feel like in my head, there's like a law that obviously I have no proof for whatsoever. But right. that as new things become cool, there's only so much room for what's cool. And so certain things have to get dismissed then, right? Like as new things come into style, other things go out of style. And like I, to me at that time, what it would have been if I can bring up an option. Wait, I, I, in 2011 you're saying? As far yeah, as, around okay. that time. Yeah. And I'm going to use Boney Vare as a pivot point. And maybe this is very personal for me in terms of like why I like Boney Vare, but I loved that he set aside the acoustic guitar stuff and went deep into like a world that he's kind of followed sense of explore, exploring different sounds, kind of looking more to the future too and more abstract spaces. I feel like in 2011 also is when you see the rise of a new uncool, which is like while commercially successful, critically hated stuff like Mumford and Sons and the Lumineers. Yeah, and I was going to. I'm glad Fleet you, Foxes disappear yeah, for a minute. Well, then no, too. Helplessness like Blues. Helplessness is Blues is in that vein for sure. Oh, 2011, like, the very same year. I know. I was yep. going to say you fell into that trap. Well, that's yep. why when you're on a date with someone and you're talking <laughs> oh, bands and they say Fleet Foxes, you got to dig a little deeper. Of course, you never know. No, there of course, could be a di- <laughs> you think one thing, but there might be something else behind. I that know door. you've been there several times, <laughs> but no, that, that's the point though. Is that this argument of tastefulness? I mean. There's a very comp- similar traditions that Mumford and Sons and Fleet Foxes are coming from. Why is one critically beloved and one critically reviled? It's not they're not all that different. They're they're not all that different, but there are differences that to me were important, such oh, as yeah. the no, way of Fleet Foxes use dissonance yep. that I think is interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's what we're speaking to though. I mean it's yeah, again, exactly. It's, it's like what is tasteful for you? And obviously there's no yeah. like right or wrong. It's just whatever your vibe is. And I think that's an important thing to, to touch on. No, but also seriously. No, you're, you're not wrong. I just, the, the hearing it like said What's like that BPM, kills but? me. But no, <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And like, I mean, we, I want to keep in mind for sure that there is no like obviously right or wrong taste. And like, you always want to be respectful of other people's tastes and like not think yours is better than them. Um, Unless it's you and I talking to each other. In which case, for sure, bro. Like, I obviously have the better taste. Like, not a doubt about it. I know it. you think that. <laughs> but, no, um, we're too many sidebars, though. Think, you Every, to everybody it. has to. You're lying to yourself if you don't. <laughs> it's not you, bro. It's not, it's not you, all right? <laughs> Where are you going uh, with that, though? I was, I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to break, because I just feel like that to, that, to me, is the most interesting theme about 2011. And, like, sh- it felt like the sh- like I love when shifts in era happen of, like, taste. Like, to me, that's very interesting. Like, I, it's like when pants go in and out of style, certain mm-hmm. fits. Like, I just find that stuff interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, like boot, you know, boot like shifts into fucking, like, skinny jeans or whatever. And I don't know. I'd like, Jinko jeans. Like, <laughs> new metal. I'm, t- I'm just <laughs> speaking out of my ass now. But, like. I saw some slipknot jeans that have, like, a big slipknot belt buckle. And then they have, like, these, like bag faces on the knees and the that's like burlap bag faces and arguably hasn't some of that stuff kind of been brought back through Billie Eilish 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's oh, yeah. kind of no, like, not that's even what I'm like I'm to. not being ironic at all. That like her specifically, that's a thousand percent. And when we want to talk angst. about yeah. to use the phrase you used at the beginning of like recontextualizing old sounds that were considered whack for a while, mm-hmm. I feel like that's happened with pop music and like with pop music fashion of like bringing back like early 2000s looks and sounds that were probably considered whack and stupid. I'm looking at like Charlie XCX is like the, the big name in my head that pops out of like bringing back kind of like boy band stuff and like mm-hmm. incredible seminal artists like the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and just... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, there are, there are so many examples of that. I brought Charlie XCX la- up last episode when we were talking about Britney Spears because she's really flying yeah, the flag yes. for her more h- higher than anybody else is. It really begs the question, and Evan, I'm so glad I've got you in the hot seat uh. here, of where, who do you think is the more important band? The Backstreet Boys or Nirvana? Oh, by the way, I found it. <laughs> no, no I, found it, I found a perfect so band. So used to this now. I thought about this after because I brought up Radiohead or Gorillaz. Okay. No, the best answer is The Strokes. Because they're like the epitome of. All right, so Backstreet Boys versus the Strokes. I actually feel like, and this is not. I feel people are going to think I'm saying this ironically. I think they're very similar. In my head, they're very similar. No, I know. In terms, I I think that makes them a great example, though, because they are honestly much more similar than a lot of people would like to realize. But they like totally come from completely different camps. Very formally precise pop music, like very formally classicists in every sense of the word. Oh, and like just like incredible fandom wise. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure like it looks beautiful as sheet music. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like the Backstreet Boys influenced, you know, a lot of hearts and souls to just be like kind of stupid and sexy. Uh, um, yes. But what has like Nirvana done? Like all of those people now, like like the that were obsessed with Nirvana, like mostly sell insurance or like you know, <laughs> working. I don't know. Schooling. You've got That's your, you've got measure. your, yeah, <laughs> your, your Anderson packs, you know, influenced by the Backstreet <laughs> Boys. Boys. Wait, and has listen, he actually said that before? I mean, I just, I'm guessing that based on where he's coming from. I love your, that. Your Anderson packs, your Bruno Mars, endless diminishing returns. And you've got your dives influenced by Nirvana that are just making each record better than the last one. No, but I'm, no, look, I, both bands have much, have enormous legacies. I just don't think Nirvana makes sense with people our age to use that comparison. I think the Strokes just because of our generation. Yeah. That's my only argument there is that I think the Strokes are better just because it hits. No, you're, you're definitely making a smart point of like it should be, they should be contemporary acts. Just acts of people like who that our age would be familiar. Like Nirvana did not mean a lot. And at the same time as like age. the Backstreet Boys, which yeah. is nice about the Strokes. You're right. All mm-hmm. right. Maybe that's mm-hmm. what I'll, that's what we'll set up for now. Or like Radiohead was a good one too. I, really I just think those make more sense in yeah. my mind. Yeah. Um, but I want to ask you though, Danny, where, so we we're talking about 2011 and just where things were moving and, you know, sounds that were fresh again, where just music overall was kind of shifting. You know, we're seeing a lot of a guitar-based music kind of fall by the wayside for bands not named Real Estate. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just like since they're kind of in vogue, this is all in the wake mm. of Person Pitch. Obviously, everybody and their mom is out there buying, trading their guitar in for a sampler. In, in 20, not because yes. the LCD sound system, but because of Person Pitch. And in 2011, we see the movement known as Chill Wave kind of cresting and hitting a peak for a handful of certain artists before they go on and explored a lot of different styles. How do you feel about Chill Wave on the whole? Because that was pretty inseparable from indie music at large in 2011. It's I, I, I'm going to guess that you wouldn't care for it In at all. 2011, I definitely was into the Washed Out record. I know that. And I remember you were in 2011? Freshman year of college, oh, I remember doing a lot of art assignments, listening to that Washed Out record in my room later. I'm night. surprised to hear that. Um, it's an image. Yeah, no, I, I liked that one a lot. Um, Toro y moi, mm-hmm. I did not listen to it at that time. I saw live a couple years later and was like, I loved that show, but I never really did a deep dive. Mm-hmm. Going back now in these last few weeks and listening to it, I a lot of the songs are just familiar through like hearing them in Urban Outfitters uh, or like hearing them in commercials, like or hearing them where I work. Like I don't like he, I was gonna say, he how gets many played at Moog. Sinks. <laughs> yeah, no, no, he has that. a lot of sinks. Yeah, um, and the Neon Indian who you brought up, I love that you called these guys the big three. Of, <laughs> they are. Yeah, they yeah, are that's the big the Chrysler, three. Ford, and GM. <laughs> Um, I've actually I'm too big to fail completely unfamiliar (laughs) too big to fail but overall chill wave to me was indicative of like yeah like what the 2010s vibe was of like vibe being a thing and like vibe actually being something that people were talking about within the context of music and something that mattered to people and like everything being kind of like it's no pun intended like washed out sounding and like reverby and it's all very like like Drake's take care that year was like to me like a big tone setter in that way too of just like what became tasteful production sounds. Um, 
So overall, I mean, going back and listening to a couple of those records in the last few weeks, I'm enjoying them. Like, I like them, but it's not my, like, that's not my wheelhouse. That's not my bread and butter. Right. I get, like, do you guys both strike me as being a little more chill wave friendly than me? Is that correct? Yeah. I, I, fuck, I fuck with it. I fuck lot. with the wave. I am <laughs> truly a hardcore chill wave apologist. And, like, I, I don't mean that in the way that, like, I am obsessed with chill wave, but it's it was maligned so intensely. But, like, it's an a, interesting genre in that. I mean, you could say this about anything. Anything that's super popular, and it was super popular in very specific small bubbles. It's not like this stuff was chart topping or whatever. But like, you know, it was a really changing the face of indie culture, and blogs were all over it. But it was also incredibly maligned. And I do think like the washed early washed out stuff, and pretty much everything Toro, most of what Toro has done and Neon Indian have done are great records. And I really think a lot of that stuff deserves to be celebrated. Most of those bands really are not very good, and I understand why they kind of fell by the wayside. But like. That first memory tapes record that I was talking about earlier, I fucking love that thing. Yeah. And like, I, uh, yeah, so a, a lot of it that has to do with the fact that this is all stuff that is completely inseparable from person pitch. I mean, there's no uh, question that like, you know, Panda Bear, AB Terror, and even like Ariel Pink were kind of the godfathers of Chill Wave. And like, oh, is Ariel Pink considered? He is considered one of really? just the whole hypnagogic pop thing being a huge force yeah. on Chill Wave in general. Like, those three are really considered kind of like the godfathers of that micro movement even though you know it's just sort of their the sample based synth kind of approach to music um mm. it's all you know psychedelic 80s inspired music so like at its core anything that has to do with psychedelic and a synth based you would think could be some sort of an influence but like the kitchen everything but the kitchen sink sort of approach that animal collective were and uh sort of embodied i think was also a huge kind of proponent of that stuff moving forward but you know, when we talk about like eighty stuff being recontextualized, like I have to wonder whether or not I, you know, at that time I would have enjoyed Choi because I think a lot of it would have just uh, smacked of like the insufferable kind of like whatever I had my mind about adult contemporary music kind of growing up, just like Nora Jones caliber, just you know, stuff that was essentially wallpaper. Yeah. But hmm. I mean, I, I've you know, I love a lot of these acts, and I think you know, Toro is incredible live. Mm. Washed Out was surprisingly decent live. Yeah. Indian's great live. Like, these are all artists that are singular and have their own things going on and to me feel like they, you know, have transcended that movement and I think it's fun kind of going back and seeing where the seeds of that stuff were. Like, like the early Toro, it's like, oh yeah, there's way more Jay Dillon fly low in his DNA than mm. any of these other guys. Like, with Washed Out, it's like, oh yeah, this dude is clearly the Enya obsessive of mm. all of the, like just mm-hmm. that sort of stuff is kind of fun to parse. I get when it all seem en- like Enya's was, coming back, right? What was that? Was Enya's coming back a little bit. It seems like Enya recently. has been an enormous influence on any music the past last handful of years. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Enya's back. Yeah. I love it. Enya's Enya's really? I, you know, what? I fucking love trends, man. <laughs> I want that. We can get that as a drop later. That'd be great. I fucking, I fucking love them. Love no, trends. I fucking Woo! love them. <laughs> I love them. We need right? to get you one of those, uh, you know, those little, uh, dry erase boards, you know, the clear yes. ones they use in detective shows. Yes. You can get all the stats on there. I want the, I want a new segment on the show, too, where I just say what's in and what's out. <laughs> I give you guys weekly updates on what shit's in and what shit's out. <laughs> I'm I, all up to me. Now. This is the top ten of cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to let you guys, yeah. It has not shifted, guys. Right, Evan, I'm curious for you, like, what are, what are the cultural associations for you with Chill Wave? Like, what is, like, when you think of Chill Wave and, like, what that those vibes are, like, what that looks like, what that sounds like? I think, I think for me, it's, like, a sound What's that I kind of, like, put off, you know, any interest in for a long time. And uh, once I, you know, found that again, and, like, that's, that's still to the day, like, what I love is, like, a lot of, like... You know, like Italian disco, just like dance music and fucking, I love. Where the fuck is Dear Tommy Chromatics? <laughs> You've been talking about oh. this for a minute I've now. been waiting on Dear Tommy for almost eight years. I am <laughs> one, one so one day. Chinese democracy. The next eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like uh, our Mr. Twin Sister is another oh, band yeah. that is just like exemplifies that kind of hypnagogic, like the this like disco revival stuff. If like, we're talking about like, p- like straight up disco music. I think yeah. Mr. Twin sister are like the best example of a band that is bringing that into like n- fresh new context. Where are you like, guys yeah. at? Where are you guys at with disco? That's like a classic that was in like the seventies. That was a big taste divide. And like my oh, yeah. dad is well, like a, as like a record collector from the seventies, his like, he was burning that was disco. His line. He wasn't burning, but he was on that side. Like to him, like disco was like, the, like what was uncool. That was like the line you didn't cross. And like, even the Bowie 70s stuff, like he, like the later 70s disco stuff, like he kind of 
is a little more sour on than the rock stuff. Well, I where, where are you guys with Disco? I honestly would just say real quick, I'd be very curious to take a deep dive in Disco myself because I think I would really grow to enjoy a lot of it purely from a melodic standpoint. Mm-hmm. It's like that's a lot of the stuff could just be strip catnip to Damn, me. That's like, where, like a ton of like like that's where house music comes from. It's of that yes, four on the exactly. floor. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So that's what I was gonna say too, is that like I you know, I, I don't think it was until I started listening to electronic music and even like acts like Mr. Twin Sister specifically that were so undeniably disco informed. Like mm-hmm. it was just no way around it. Like it wasn't, Especially wasn't until the last like two EPs they put oh, yeah. out post, last EP, post yeah. salt are like very, mm-hmm. very disco. Do you like disco of them? Yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I like, don't take as deep dives into music as I like, you know, feel like I should, I'm just busy. <laughs> and, you know, you know, wrong show whatever. for this buddy. I, yeah, I, I get that. And I, yeah, I, so I always have, you know, some shame lingering about that. This is, you've come, yeah, this is like the Catholic church music. And you're the yeah, this is confession. What do you mean you haven't confessed in yeah, two days? Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> I wish we had a booth for this, but that's, that's fine. Um, but yet, like, it's just the sound that I really like now, and I've liked for a few years now. It's just something that, like, yeah. Your vibe to me reads as being, like, a guy who's, like, pro di- like you. Like I love some grooves. I like a yeah. good rhythm, you know, yeah. groovy rhythm, you know? Yeah, like, you just, you like, it. the Evan vibe to me, like, reads as, like, <laughs> yo, I'm, like, down to, like... Let's fuck it up on the so, disco floor. Let's fuck it. To clarify, <laughs> though, I would it. say that I'm pro disco, but it's also just sort of disingenuous because I haven't really done my homework. Like, I don't know a lot of. Cl- like, I, I'd be interested to hear. You know, obviously, like some Chief, like BG Donna stuff. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yep, yep. I kind of, I do want to make those rounds, and I think that I would enjoy that stuff. But like, you like Giorgio? Oh, I do. Yeah. I yeah, like that's yeah. a big. Oh, of that's course. Like a He's like one of the few of like classic disco dudes that I actually have. There is some music that I really legitimately do enjoy, yeah. but I, it just it feels just because like it's, it's like so contemporary based. The stuff that I kind of gravitate towards, but like I'm sure I would like it if I really did make the rounds. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, I I, f- I feel like disco is just like I don't know. I don't want to make music really, but <laughs> um, like. I feel like disco is one of those genres that's just like it's more accessible for somebody to get into to start making. Like you know, you can you can fuck it up even in the eighties. I'm sure you know. Just there's get that like, kick drum and then you're doing yeah. breath. What are the, what are the good, what's just, the hi hat are you doing disco? Is that typically like sixteenths or thirty seconds? Are you doing? I'd say like thirty seconds. Eights really? All right, yeah. You get some of those on there. Some synth arpeggios and hi hat. It's hard doing the. And just a good bass yeah. line. I love those bass lines from like the bump. I mean, the classic is like the uh, the beginning of hip hop. Uh, oh yeah, how am I dropping the name on this one? Sugar Hill Gang, but like the <laughs> chic. I mean, they sampled it from chic, but like those bass lines where they all start out four on the floor, bump, 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 and then they syncopate. But don't, boom, 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 dump, dig a dump. Don't like that to me. Like that's like disco sweet, man. Like you get yeah, that with yeah. like the Nile Rodgers guitar over it. And speaking yeah. on Nile Rodgers and speaking on Giorgio Moroder. Daft Punk. I mean, like, I feel like Daft Punk continues in Disco's legacy. And I also, if I can challenge you a little bit, Dylan, I feel like Daft Punk sets a tone that also brings that shit cool, like samplers trading in your guitars for samplers pre-person pitch. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I'm going to go on board. When did LCD Sound System's first record come out? 2005, I think. 2005? It was pre-person pitch. And I just don't that think record, it was in, as influential Losing as My Edge is where was. you get the joke, the, one of my favorite James Murphy oh, lines ever. Yeah, the like, I, 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 I heard your favorite band is selling their guitars yeah. and buying uh, turntables. It was a, I heard they're selling I, yeah, their turntables and buying guitars. I was making a joke because there was literally an LCD sound system line, yeah. but I just think Panda Bear was the one that actually created the shift that wasn't really James Murphy himself. I mean, LCD system are... A bigger band, but as far as like influence and like underground indie music, I think Person Pitch made a much bigger splash. Yeah, you might be right on that. (laughs) But look, I love LCD Sound System. I go to bed for all of it. I think they're great. I really want to see them live at some point. I think they're a great band. A little overrated, but they're good. Like, no question. What's your. Wait, what? Sound of Silver. I thought you. Oh, 07 Indie Band. Oh, no, this is happening. No way. Sound of Silver. All the way. This is, this is happening. This is happening. It's 2011 song. too, isn't it? It is. Oh, this it is, is so much fun, guys. No, no, I love sorry. doing this no, stuff. 2010. With you guys. It's 2010. <laughs> 2010. This is, 2010. <sighs> this is happening. It's 2010. Let's. I mean. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, fact, you're definitely right. Check. You're definitely right. No, please challenge me on air. Ref, what are we Let's doing do for? Challenge me on air. Fucking do it, dude. I'm not challenging you on air. I think you're right. It's May 2010. That's. I don't even like doing this kind of stuff anymore. Um. But um, I do want to bring that back. Like, regardless of who it was. I mean, I think it was certainly disco. The Plunderphonics records were huge. And like, I think when 
specifically Daft Punk's second album, Discovery, came out. That I've mentioned on the show specifically about how I think uh, Digital Love was like enormously influential on Panda Bear specifically because he's like the Daft Punk guy in that group. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, that, that vibe seems un- strong. Undeniable. Like, I just like I, the first time I heard it in a year, I was just like, oh, this was like pretty much defined his whole career, this song right here. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think Daft Punk, of course, like they, it's that whole idea of just like, oh yeah, like, you know, this can be tasteful in different kinds. Con- we're taking this music, putting it, a neat little spin on it, like some loops and stuff that you might not be familiar with this, a little bit, like some effects that weren't so used along. Like, it's just kind of flipping the script and adding a little bit more to it. But like you were saying, I mean, house music that wouldn't exist without disco. It's all a natural progression of things. It's just when did people, what did it take for a lot of people to really come on board? Right. But, right. um, yeah, I, and I think like that might be part of, why Choe was so derided was that that was just looked at as like the low hanging fruit, the really easy end of eighties music, where it's just like you know easy listening, not a whole lot going on, and like that's a you know on was some it, level. A fair, yeah, no, it's like it is the nature of it. Yeah, like, it's a fair critique. So oh, I was gonna a say lot a fair, of it's going to like you know if it's simple enough, it's a lot of it's gonna be bad. Yeah, and it's uh, well, <laughs> it's know? a fair critique. There's of, so many lo-fi hip hop beats to chill to on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. way too many. Twenty four seven. But that does get to the point of what, where where Choe ends and where other things begin because. I was going to say, like, you know, there are records like Underneath the Pine, the Toro Ma record that just yep. turned 10. I mean, that is an incredibly detailed, lush record that draws from a lot of different styles. And, like, you know, the, I would argue that the purists probably wouldn't even call it Choe because there's disco, there's synth pop, there's like a lot of, you know, just different stuff happening on there. But, you know, it's incredibly expansive sound that, you know, really kind of retains the dreaminess of what he was doing prior, but it has a lot more layers to it. Chill Wave kind of was that in a way. I feel like Chill Wave was like also to make another tie into a past episode, like kind of like a monoculture thing of like, okay, like it's viewed for the most part in indie rock context. Like those are the publications mm-hmm. that are talking about it, but it was like electronic and like disco and kind of pop and like sort of that, in, that blurring of all these styles into something that was just sort of like, like just like, like a chill, like it's so fucking stupid. Like a chill wave. Like it was just like aesthetic, and it was just like like that. And I think Evan, that was a great reference with like the twenty four seven, like the lo fi beats to study to. Like I feel like that is like <laughs> the like end of the road. Like that to me is like what the, what's was like yeah. the vibe of the last ten years. And I think I've already touched on this a little bit, but like yeah, just that like very like faded out like tumblr instagram aesthetic everything's got a filter to it mm-hmm. now and yeah. like i was gonna say reverb. the word filtered it's yeah, just been filtered, filtered by yep. 40 brittas and like tw- yeah and like that that lo-fi mm-hmm. sound is like a hundred percent that it's like let's put like a fake noise grain on it like let's make it look like it's a polaroid picture but like mm-hmm. digitally and like i'm not saying that's whack or anything but like also musically it connects to like that just like i think pop music turned into now everything's like just like four chords on loop over a drum machine, which like, I, I like that style. I write a lot of songs in that style too. Like I'm not going to hate on that at all, <laughs> but like that to me started as like a real 2010 to 2020 style that like is kind of, I think, I think that's still on its crest right now. That's it is. Right. No, that, that is definitely not something that is. Chord like progressions fun. don't change in the chorus these days ever. Like that's mm-hmm. not really a thing. Everything is just over like a loop. Like Halsey is. Okay, like, we got to gotta think the, about like, like talking about stuff in Vogue because there are ex- like always going to be plethora of examples of bands that are going completely against what you're saying. But we're yeah, talking about like yeah, but in terms what, of like pop, just, just pop so we're on music. the same page, what's what's really like in Vogue right now? Right. Where things are kind of moving. Center. Like I think that's true. Yeah. 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 Just need that clarification, but I agree with that. I think okay. that is true for the moment. We're talking yeah. hits, right? We're talking hits right now. Top top forty. We're talking what's fucking what the kids are popping off on. Like if you, like I don't know, the name that keeps coming in my mind is like the production sound I'm thinking of is like Halsey. Like all of her songs have just like that vibe, and I feel like that to me in my head goes back to like Drake Take Care and like the XX <laughs> and like. I cannot wait to do the 2011 hip hop episode. That is one. That's gonna be fun. We're bringing Nick on for that, right? Uh I think we should. I mean, especially with like, <laughs> yeah. well, especially with like, well, we could do it regardless. But like, if we're not getting a Drake LP this year, if he's just gonna drop that oh, fucking god awful no, EP, and whoa, that's just gonna whoa, be whoa, it. Well, like, let's no, let's talk. We for gotta a have Nick on for a, for a much more fleshed out, worthwhile. Be diplomatic. Episode. Be diplomatic. We could possibly do a full. We have episode smart on that, listeners like out there, EP. Dylan, who are offended right now by some of the things you're saying. Okay, let me. I mean, look, that. Rick Ross stole it, no question. But like, let the fucking lemon pepper freestyle. All about the lemon pepper freestyle. Did you know in Coming to America too? The the house. Just his house, yeah, yeah. That is 
his house? Fucking, that's yeah. crazy. It's that's hilarious. Fucking the lemon pepper Rose. castle. That's the that, lemon pepper that's castle. The, that's that Wingstop money, baby. <laughs> Chateau lemon pepper right there. Coming um, back to the lemon but, pepper castle. Right, yeah, since right. we're speaking of hypnagogic music, like Rick Ross <laughs> got one of his songs into Django. So like. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Tarantino it's, did it's, bump that. You know. I like a little that. bit of reverse. <laughs> Holy fuck! What is happening? I had no reverse idea. That was, oh my god! Oh, yeah, How yeah, did that five? Yeah, I had, Jesus. But on that that little tape he dropped or whatever, not tape, little like pack. Extended I think that's what play. they call it these days. It's, I don't think he even called it an EP. I feel like Drake called like it's like I just don't. I dropped I, a new I, pack on you guys. Like, you know, like, that, that, that is actually probably what it was framed as. I didn't. I didn't like. The Rick Ross one that much to me that it was a classic Drake of like I'm gonna show you like all my styles and like one of them was right. fire. Just what's next? I think what's next to me as a guy who's been in lukewarm on Drake for the last few years. Like it's not like it was like his best thing. Like there's definitely fire hits on Scorpion, even though I don't love that as an album at all by any means. What's next was like once again like a reminder to me of like man this guy really is still regardless one of like no doubt about it the top five in the game. Like this guy can make just the catchiest flows and he just sounds so good saying the shit he says and like. That one hits for me hard. I played What's Next in the Car probably 10 times in the last he, week. He's I'm, just like a guy you know, like walks around and talks like that to all of his friends. <laughs> like, that's just like exactly yeah. his banter. Like, it's such, a, it, it definitely comes a little bit natural. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing if uh, the next Saba record kind of cements him as like the oh, guy that's yeah. just going to completely make Drake irrelevant because, oh, hey, somebody that can yeah, rap much better and sing better than that's him. That's definitely happening on the streets, bro. Definitely. Yeah. All the kids are putting aside Drake for the Saba record. Get the fuck out of here. In the critical corners, they certainly are. I got to say, no, I, I haven't thought about Saba in a while. Like his pace is, you know, pretty, pretty slow. A lot of for, people had shots. For somebody at it. who's, you know, so young. He needs to be just like belt belting out records, right? He now. Like, dropped a collab tape the year after. Uh, Care for me came out. A couple singles after that. A lot of people had shots at being the guy who took down Drake in terms of like being anti Drake's whole image. I'm thinking of like I feel like Chance the Rapper was a little anti Drake in terms of like I went the good guy route. Like <laughs> I'm gonna get into the church and like mm-hmm. my oh, wife. Yeah. Um, and then a different my one. wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I have to. The, not the first Borat reference on the show. Definitely. Oh, wow. <laughs> um. Or, like, I feel like Vince Staples was a real, like, anti-Drake of, like, I, I could listen to Vince Staples talk shit on Drake all day. I'm not oh, sure yeah. if he does, but, like, he would be a guy who, I could be the biggest Drake fan, and hearing him talk shit on Drake, I would buy everything he's saying and think that's what's cool. And, like, Vince Staples, I feel like he's kind of not petered out, but, like, he's hit his crest, right? Like, he's not going to get any bigger. Do we feel that way? You know? I mean, I want to hear JPEG's opinion on Drake. That'd be, I'd be definitely be interested in that. I, yeah, it's hard to imagine that he'd get bigger. I think like Vince Staples is definitely somebody like a Pusha T or Danny Brown, where they pretty much, you know, they're like rap royalty. They can like release a great record every couple of years, and they'll be able to just tour coast on that like for the rest of their he's lives. He's a career probably, artist if they for to. sure. Yeah. yeah, the question is just if he. Wants I just don't. Exactly well, I don't think he. he yeah, if he wants to, I don't think he's going to get bigger than he is. Is the thing. Right. I, I agree with that. His, yeah, his ceiling. Yeah. yeah, but though I mean, I think all the people that I mentioned will continue to release great records, and I mean, you know, Drake might have another good song on him, but I think uh, you know it's not 2011 anymore. So mm-hmm. I'm when the album comes out, it's been what now? It's been two albums, four projects since I've been like really into a Drake album. Didn't mm-hmm. like views. Didn't like. I mean, it, I was just lukewarm on all of them, all of those. Anyways, I'm 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 hoping this is the one. I'm hoping this. Maybe gets me back on track, but it probably won't be. I hope so too, Dan. With the title like Certified Lover Boy, I don't feel like this mm-hmm. is the one that's gonna, but maybe. I don't know. I'm very glad you brought up disco though. Cause that ties so perfectly into <laughs> Dr. Rock's Rock Doc. Oh week. fuck, Doc Rock is bad. You forgot Doc Rock's in the building. Bro, can I get that intro just one more time? Just for Doc Rock. <laughs> I just let me get that in Britain bring it in right when that sax is about to hit. Just you belong to the city You belong to the night It's Doc Rock With your Rock Doc Of the month Start fading it out Start fading it out Yep Yep Alright It's not so much of a fade out um, <laughs> I want to talk about We talked about this Dylan I feel like already Outside of the pod, Evan, I don't think we've talked about mm-hmm. this. The Bee Gees documentary on HBO. I, man. This could be the entry point for us. I I hope this is the entry point for a lot of people right now. I know I we've got a wide listenership. 
and we've got a very heavy kind of presence in their taste bacon. <laughs> so I think for a lot of you right now, we're going to be opening doors to the Bee Gees. Um, yeah, they're open, not open well my doors. They're but. a very underground band. <laughs> Anyways, I knew some Bee Gees. My parents grew up, or I grew up with my parents being very divided over the Bee Gees. Like I said, my dad's very anti-disco. My mom was very much not like a cool music listener in the 70s, and she loved the Bee Gees. Um, I remember growing up in the car, my parents fighting over the three-disc Bee Gees greatest hits we had, which disc we were going to listen to, because my dad loved their 60s stuff, which sounds very Beatles-y, very like, like kinks, just like British Invasion rock. And then come 70s, they find that falsetto, and they start bringing in the four on the floor and just all the, the really cool disco stuff and those guitars. And he fucking hated that shit. Watching this Bee Gees doc again, I I had heard that Saturday Night Fever was, like, cool again. I remember listening to classic rock radio as a kid and Alice Cooper saying, like, he had a late night show and talking about, like, the one disco record you're allowed to have in your collection is Bee Gees Saturday Night Fever. And so, like, I had, like, figured this. <laughs> I give you permission to yeah, own that yeah, one. Yeah, because everyone's listening to Coop. Um, <laughs> but going back and watching the doc, I did not realize what straight up pop like what a pop masterclass these these guys' whole career is and just like songwriting and like I didn't realize how much songwriting they had done for other artists. Like they wrote Islands in the Stream. Like I mean they, they other like huge hits for Barbara Streisand too and stuff. And just this going back through the sixties through the seventies, like there's such like a, a wave they ride of just like endless hits. They were gonna write for Otis Redding. I mean like these guys are insane. Um the documentary goes over the whole career. I think it's really well done. I'm I'm an HBO stand. I'll ride for them all day. Uh this is right up there with Sopranos, some of HBO's best work. <laughs> but yeah, the fucking wire can eat it. This is where it's at. This is where it's at. I'm telling you right now. It's just it's it's a it's a great doc. I need to do a deeper dive still into them. I haven't moved much past like the the Apple Music fucking BG's Essentials playlist. But it's an awful place to be. I gotta need to start making those moves. Yeah, I want to hear a covers record of all the stuff they wrote for other people. I think that would be fun. Yeah, I would mm. love to hear also just like a con- some contemporary artists cover the Bee Gees, like a cover mm-hmm. record, like comp of just like, I want to hear Dive do, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> How Deep Is Your Love? <laughs> I don't know. I just think that'd be cool. I'd love to hear the Red Hot Chili Peppers do their version of, uh, oh boy, you know, uh, Tragedy. Well, but honestly, though, who do you think could really, <laughs> if in all seriousness, well, first of all, I'd like to know where Ivan is coming from with the BGs. I yeah, mean, how do you feel? I don't know. I, I, I've heard a handful I mean, of songs. You, know you could play like? songs and you could tell me that they're BGs. Songs, and I would believe the, the big thing for me is. By the way, I was going well, to say, oh, it's yeah. the, the, no, fall, the falsetto yeah, sure. is the, like, the main thing that like is easy to kind of discern with them, I think. There's any okay. one element. It's just that very like his his falsetto is very singular. I mean, you could I for me it's like very easy to yeah. spot out. But I was going to ask you as far as like any kind of contemporary act covering them. I mean, who would you really like? Because I was just a suggestion of like, oh, these are the you know a compilation of like the songs recorded by other artists that they wrote. It would also be cool to have a contemporary covers album of you know people today doing their songs. But I also think if any one artist was really going to do them justice. It's Moses fucking somebody. I mean, who oh, can, I can sing like that? that? God, yeah. I'm the only who can sing like that? I would like, love an act that would have three-part harmony because to me that was such a big part of what makes the Bee Gees yeah, special. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. So my yeah. instinct goes to, and I don't think this is necessarily I'm, the best one. JPEG's inst- future boy band. JPEG's future boy band is time, obviously right? where my instinct goes. That's actually a better pick. See, oh, I, totally I was thinking Dirty Projectors a- just because oh, that's where, like, uh, where's Danny going to go? No, well, I prefer Dirty Projectors. I think like Dave would do like a really fun avant-garde take on the BGs yeah. that would make perfect sense. I feel like he probably is a huge BG. He would just like cover one of the records the same way the the Black Flag treatment. And yeah, just, like, exactly. And make like, it super deconstructed yeah. and interesting. Jake talks on TC about being a big BGs fan, so you got to think his little brothers. I would think Dave's wants a to fan. make his big brother cool. So. <laughs> <laughs> now that would be sick. I would, especially now with the band that they have. I mean. It's yeah, like, like yeah. obviously Amber and uh, Angel could have pulled it off, but like, you know, it was such a hit, like so up in the air in terms of what that was going to look like. And now we really have other powers focused in the band. Like that would be a lot of fun. I right. think they're at a point where they could really do a project like that justice. Let me ask you a question. Cause Evan said he's not too familiar with the Bee Gees and mm-hmm. Dylan, you're my co-host. So I want to be respectful and just ask you for permission <laughs> first. Sure. Would it bother you if I spent the next three to five minutes just singing him acapella, a couple Bee Gees, just sort of like quick, like this is what the Bee Gees sound like. I sincerely hope you do. Light out. All right, so you start with the early stuff, which, uh-huh. like I said, is sort of like a '60s kind of Brit pop thing. 
You got stuff like uh, sure. I started a joke, started the whole world laughing, <laughs> but the joke, but I didn't see that the joke was on. You don't know. I'm, I'm also glad that you brought up no. the, that they're very Kingsian because me. I do think yeah they're like the unsung heroes of the very British invasion. Kingsian. Very yeah. Um, yeah, because they don't get lumped in. They get lumped in with the disco song. I'm going to stop mm-hmm. there. I'm not going to keep it. But okay. How deep is your love? How deep is your love? I really need to learn. Cause we're <laughs> no. no. Are you serious? Dude, somebody no, would fuck Roshani used to cover that. it with the Chili Peppers live. Oh, really? He would give his ah. solo song each set, and he would do that sometimes. All right, what about uh, Jive Talking? Dun-dun-dun. Get Samfa on that. Yeah. I think that'd be fire. Uh, What about Tragedy? It's Tragedy. Oh, yeah. You know that one? Yeah. I feel like I've heard that in the soundtrack. I think I singing that one. Oh, yeah. Ooh. We got, what is the what is the one they wrote for Otis Redding? It's, uh, there's a light. Never shined on me. You don't know what it's like. Maybe you don't know. To love somebody. Thank you, Rep. I was going to keep going. Um, Yeah, so you don't know that one either, Evan? No. Sorry. A little bit of homework for you before you can come back. I I just had, I had like a flashback to, you know, the first question of the show. Yeah. uh, About the CD. Great book ending here. I would uh, (laughs) just just (laughs) Just wrap it all up. (laughs) That was what the show was supposed to be about, just that first question. Um, We kind of got off track. So back to the main focus. Uh, My CD, first CD, I I would get them from the the West Bloomfield Library. You know, I'd go check them out. I was in the library music. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Borrower. You know, yeah, yeah. Sometimes. How Danny built his first collection. They stay. A lot of it. Yep, burning. Um, but yeah, definitely a couple early like Smashing Pumpkins records. That oh, boy. I got. You were actually the guy that turned me out of the pumpkins. No way. This is I, huge, guys. I don't this know is big if I'd actually brought this up to you. You, you might remember this. Uh, you know. That's where so, rock starts for you, right? Isn't that like That's your first where band? everything starts. That's where life you, starts. Are for you me. kidding me right now? <laughs> I am the Genesis. It's not music. It is life itself. That is where everything changed. Evan's your dad. Camp yeah, is my dad. I'm Camp Sancta Maria. Dad. This is like the first end time of Star that Wars. Had, it was Camp Sancta Maria. First time that like oh, yeah. I had gone with you. Well, the, the first time I remember actually kind of rekindling our friendship post fifth grade at Sancta Maria. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just let me listen to your iPod a little bit. And I discovered Tarantula by the Smashing Pumpkins off of Zeitgeist. Oh, and, like, the drums. That is truly where life starts. And like that's like my least. <laughs> That's my least favorite album of theirs, but like in respect, it was in like your oh, memory. my obsession with just me, like dissonance and distortion, and just uh, like yeah. every, noise, every melody, yeah. Ugly, even well, yeah. a melody. Well, plus the, ugly. I think the, the clash between uh, melody and abrasion because I was really um, only yeah. there were some vocal, the Beatles good before vocal then. melodies, but it was like rough still, yes. rough, like, ugly guitars, and like and honestly, it sounds hyperbolic, but if you know anything about me, that really was kind of where life yeah. began. And my buddy yeah. Valentine yeah. then becomes like yes. what's the full on mm-hmm. fulfillment of that for you? Yep. yep. Of just like we're gonna give you the prettiest stuff, but it's just gonna be fucking through the ugliest lens. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. That's the stuff that I still really, really crave more. Cut than you deep. Yeah, that's the stuff I love too. Yeah, that's, this is such a great ending, guys. I love this. I mean, you could be. You know. I am eternally and actually, you know what? It's funny. I don't mean to keep dragging this point out, but I don't think that I would ever. I could find two people on this podcast that I am more indebted to. Just in terms of like, uh-huh. just where my interests and obsessions have led, like with Danny and the blogging and turning me on to all the music that I got exposed to my freshman year, and you with that pumpkin. I mean, that truly is that just changed yeah, the entire family. Legitimately right yeah, changed but. the trajectory of my life. Both those things. So thank you. I'm eternally grateful to you both. This is I'll never be able to repeat that. Hell yeah, bud. Fuck yeah. Sure. Such simple gestures made such a difference. This is see, ecstasy nation. It's a nation built on love. It's it is. Yep. It's a big a move. big cuddle puddle of of. Just sonic vibes. A big cuddle puddle of sonic vibes. And on that note, we're going out how we came in and how we did it two more times throughout the show. Breath, why don't you run that intro back? Let's make it an outro, baby. Because you belong to the city. You belong to the night. Ecstasy out. You got to be quicker with this stuff, bro. Ecstasy out. <laughs>